Welcome, everyone, and thank you very much for tuning into my podcast. I have today a very special guest because uh, I actually study with Lauren. Lauren is going to be with me here because I had amazing conversations with her and I observed her when she was coaching. We had some trainings together. We are in the school together. And I really value how she's approaching her clients and her life and how she's implementing the coaching in her in her work environment and also with her clients. I'm really, really happy to have you today. And uh, I'm not going to talk about your past because I think you can introduce yourself and tell us all about those amazing experiences that you have. I think that will be much better coming from you. And welcome and thank you very much for joining me today. Thank you, Alex, for having me. It's great to be here. And I'm um right back at you in terms of investing in our own personal development our own growth is so important it allows us to serve clients when we've done the work for ourselves and really important that we continue that so completely agree looking forward to looking forward (laughs) to this conversation today yeah cool can you just tell us a little bit about your background like where you're coming from why coaching what do you do just a little bit that people understand where you're coming from and after that we will deep dive into so many cool topics (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, so my background is in sport, high performance and community sport. I'm surrounded by coaches all of the time. In fact, I'm a coach myself in a sport environment. And the natural progression came from me moving from sports administration into consultation and recognizing the types of passionate individuals I was surrounded by on a, a regular basis, that a coaching style of approach really suits that kind of personality. So people who get fired up at stuff that's really cool and exciting from Olympic medals to, you know, watching a little six-year-olds do really awesome things on a sport field, um, that can be a volunteer, a, prof- a professional uh, paid staff member to a parent, you name it, that level of passion and commitment that exists in the sport world um, is very much my background. Moving into personal development, I bring everything that comes from that world of sport into my business. Um, Everything from the emotional side of what happens to us when we get excited or low or sad or angry and all those words that some people just don't want to talk about um, to achievement and success and gaining results in our life and what it takes for us to change things when we're not enjoying how things are going. So in a nutshell, that's pretty much me. And it, honestly, this is great, actually. That's great timing as well, because I'm, you know, probably I told you, I think last time that I'm training for this ultra marathon, and it's just such an amazing thing to watch our performance connected with mindset and how actually we underperform when we have those negative thoughts and, and how we see ourselves and how we see the world. And when we have the, those negative things coming, you know, it's just so opposite of inspiration you know like it's just nothing you can't really go faster or longer but when you start to have those thoughts uh, and really see what your mindset is doing you know and how you can actually improve that and how you can change a performance just with the mindset that's absolutely mind-blowing like that's just different world absolutely (laughs) yeah yeah it's so true it's true true alex like um um, I work on a daily basis with ex-Commonwealth and like Olympic athletes and for yeah. me to compare my running style to theirs would just be crazy. So <laughs> very yeah, much okay. it's really important for us to to have an individualized approach to yeah. any kind of goal. And congratulations on your goal, the ultra marathon. That sounds yeah. amazing. It's, it sounds cool, but I also see that I'm not trying to compare myself. And that's probably another thing in business and in life, what we do 
when you just you touch the base on that and i think it's very important that we compare ourselves with other people and i know when i will go when i will be on a start line it will be hard to fight those thoughts when you see all these fit people you know next to you and you're thinking oh my god like these people just training every day for all life probably and and for me it's five six months tra- training but that's all i never really did marathon that means ultramarathon is kind of like what it should be like ne- next step from marathon to ultramarathon <laughs> But it's, you know, I I didn't have that step between, but it is probably when my thoughts will kick in, I believe, you know, that will be something that that's why I'm trying to learn, I guess, perception and self-control and self-regulation. And I think that's what we would like to talk about today, because I know we we Mm -hmm. have a beautiful chat about relationships and, and perception and also not only probably my, my favorite topic, but also your favorite topic is actually talking about those things that we see something else that other people see. And yeah, what is your take on that? Like, what, 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 do, you, what do you think about when I say perception or what you would like to share? Because I think that will be really good conversation from maybe even your experience. Yeah. I'm reading um, a book by Malcolm Gladwell at the moment and he talks within that group there's a whole bunch of things that he talks about but it's about the 10,000 hour rule um, and when when you were just talking just then I thought of a quote from Hussein Bolt who says that he trained for four years to run nine seconds and sometimes when we think about perspective and we think about performance and we think about how we compare ourselves to others especially when you're in a business environment Sometimes we can get ahead of ourselves and not allow ourselves the time to gather the skill and competence to then be confident in how we do things within business. And so I've got this little trick. I do it with my kids as well, where I'll get them to stand at a window and look out. I've got three children and I'll go down the line and say, what do you see? And guaranteed that all three of them will say something different as they look out that window. Because um, one of the quotes that you and I really enjoy, Alex, is we don't see the world as it is. We see the world as we are. So when we think about emotional responses to a challenge that we set ourselves, like you do in your ultramarathon, like for me, when I think of doing an ultramarathon, I think, not not a chance, I'm not going to do it. Um, And having those real appreciation of individual differences becomes so important for us to succeed at any goal that we set ourselves because say for example I did choose to do the same goal as you my training plan likely would not look like yours it would look completely different and so when we start to think about a workplace setting and we start to think about perspective what one person may find really easy someone else may find really challenging um, and so it's it's important for us to accept that not all of us are the same um, and to be able to nurture a supportive work environment especially if you've got a team or if you're working with a team or something like that is to appreciate that we all are challenged by different things in life i think that's a very good point also when you said that someone don't need to like you know what you do what is your goal and, and I, I think I didn't even like the idea of doing that. Like I, I just really just had a conversation and I said, yeah, yeah, of course, you know, I will do it. Like not a problem. But my partner was like, you said yes already. Like now we need to do it. <laughs> and I was like, that's actually a really good point. <laughs> yeah. And actually I didn't take it as, a, as a something that I will ever say yes. You know, like it was more like, it sounds cool, but not for me. 
but also my perception changed when I, when I was thinking like, okay, I said, yes, I need to sign up. And basically my perception kind of switched because it was like, no, I will never do it. But now actually I'm going to do it. That means I made decision. And I think when we made make decision about something, our all reality change changes as well, because I don't know how to train now. I know how to train. I didn't know I have to eat during the, during the running. Now I have to, you know, learn and I'm learning to eat during the, during the running. It's just yeah. like something that if you will tell me that like four years ago, like, Hey, you need to try to eat while, while you're running. I will be like, no, like, are you crazy? <laughs> like, what do you think? I mean, with perception, I don't know. What do you think about that? Like, is that connected with, with actually our goals as well? Because I think we, we changing perception of the things, how we see them. That means what, what, what is that change that happens when we see things, same things different way, maybe over the life? Yeah, I think um, it's a great question, Alex, because last week we had, and I hope it's cool that I bring this in, we had International Women's Day. And the theme around International Women's Day is about break the bias. And you've got photos everywhere on social media of women with their hands up like this. Yeah, um, yeah. Look, I hope it's cool that I bring this as a bit yeah. of an example into this because break the bias to me is about unconscious bias. And it's what's unconscious to us. Perhaps for some, it's about don't spend any time thinking about what underpins any decision strategy that we run in life. The unconscious part being we will have beliefs and patterns, some of which would be obvious. You may be able to say the reason why I make this decision, and I'll give an example in a second, is because that's how my family have always done things. Or... Um, we can relate to a saying that we might say out loud and say, oh, my mum says that or my dad or my grandparents or someone in our family or close to us. We become conscious that that's a, a saying that's been passed down by generations. So, like for example, I come from a, a long line of very strong-willed women. It may not come as a surprise. Um, so it would be very easy for me to be in a situation with a man where there's conflict for me to say this always happens or a statement like that so if i've um, gotten into a, a disagreement with a with a man who is as passionate and strong-willed as me the unconscious bias is to believe that's how it always should look but to challenge that belief is to be curious and open to it not looking that way and perhaps being different and to me, that's about that's breaking the bias. It's breaking our own unconscious bias that we bring to every situation. And as we know, Alex, when we do our transformational coaching work, that's where we can really have the chance to explore what is unconscious and bring it to the conscious mind, especially when we're not getting the results that we want. Yeah. Yeah. That's what do you think a, about that? Yeah, that's that's such a great point. Uh, that's so many things came up. To my mind because it's just so so many things like really small example of action based on unconscious thinking was when i was actually saturday morning going and sit, sitting in a car driving same road at the start and turn left because i thought i'm going to the office and i supposed to go right and i realized how we are set up like robots like we are just really unconsciously unconscious robots just walking around basically you know maybe after 5 years of our age we just be just done or i don't know 10 years of age and it's interesting how 
that was basically showing up as well when I was at the event uh, for, for International Day of Women. And I was thinking, I never really thought about that, honestly. Like, I know there's a lot of feminists. I know there's a lot of, you know, uh, countries that, that women really didn't ha- don't have rights. And I think that's where we should probably bring that and, and talk about it more and bring that help, you know, and support. But I still think, and again, that's my perspective. And I'm not saying that people have bad experience, but I had always good experience and I never felt less or, you know, pushed away. I actually had more problems with female leaders than the men leaders. That means I, I don't, I felt more accepted, you know, by men in the leadership position. And it's very interesting because when we, when they started to talk about it at the event, I was starting actually to doubt myself. That's another thing, but it was very strange because it just came to me and I was like, ah, oh, maybe I don't have a chance, you know, as a leadership coach in that, that man leadership environment, you know, and I, I'm talking to CEOs and I never really thought about that. Now I started to think about that. And I think that's another thing. Like when we, when we start to see different things from different angles, you know, like we can actually consciously bring that into our unconscious mind as a problem as well. I don't know. It was just something that came up and I was like, I don't actually want to talk about it because it's really hard now to see those things from different angle. And I think it's a lot of, a lot of people can't see the other side. And I realized that all of women had problem and I didn't see that, you know, it's, it was probably selfish maybe, but I just didn't have any, you know, space and, and maybe opportunity to talk about it. But when I saw that at the event, I was like, wow, okay. Like maybe that's something that is happening in the world. That means we, we need to actually listen out of person perception. And it's easy to say, oh, she's not right. But, you know, she experienced that. I can't say she was not right. She felt that way. And I was like, wow, like that's the, I guess, that accepting of, you know, some, some perceptions and, uh, unconsciously like we just live our life we don't really take care of other stuff you know we just be just living but when we start to have conversation conscious conversation i guess that's when things came up come up yeah no i think it's it's so true because we will all have our own experience yeah. of what it is to be female um and to be working with uh, another gender i won't just say male because we have other other genders to consider as well um so yeah I, I guess my point when it comes to break the bias is to encourage women and men to not blame the other sex it's we can all take responsibility for how we show up in situations yes um, I, I appreciate exactly as you've said alex that we will all have our own unique experience where that's concerned some of us worse than others and you know International Women's Day, there are countries in the world where this is a significant issue. And yeah. what I would love to see is that the the origins of why International Women's Day was set up and where there's humanitarian issues um, that honoured and not being used as lip service, which I know a lot of females have felt in some um, events that they've been to, where it's, here's a cupcake with, a little sign on it that says we support women on one day of the year and then and, you know it's put and to the it. side but yeah so i think there's this is a huge topic kind of one that i just wanted to bring in from the point of view of the theme because as you're describing that self-doubt piece can come in as our beliefs are challenged when we're in a situation where everything that we know to be true 
is challenged. We know for, as we do the NLP work that we do in a coaching environment, as human beings, we're wired to delete, distort, and generalize through filters everything that we believe to not be true. Yeah. Um, the extent to which we'll do this depends on how much growth we've gone through. It's, it's interesting that when you mentioned that like beliefs and when they are challenged, because I think that's like we all experience that. Yeah, we mm-hmm. all experience that, you know, through the life, if it's career, relationships, maybe some, you know, personal stuff, maybe some traumas for some people. Like it, it is a lot of events that are happening and challenging us. And it's interesting yeah. when I'm thinking about beliefs, like I love belief work. Like beliefs are like the first thing that I always said, like we need to change the beliefs. That's the, that's the shift. Like that's, that's it. That's what needs to be changed. And I can see that in my life. When I came to Australia, I always, before I always believed that I can do everything easily and, you know, I can achieve everything. And I was successful. I was successful. all that strength, you know, I, I came like so confident and after a few days in Perth and I was like, Oh, I can't do anything. And I just, I was going like down and down and all experiences and personal stuff. And just too many things came probably at the beginning, like too many. And all my beliefs were actually challenged. All my beliefs about, you know, world, how I can achieve everything, how it's easy to get what you want and all that stuff, like everything. It believes about myself, how I saw myself were so different. Like, and, and it, they were actually challenged, but they changed. I didn't believe my, in myself anymore. And I was actually changing with those beliefs. I changed my, like, I felt like I changed my personality. Have you seen those, those things uh, correlating to personality? And when you develop different beliefs, you know, like one day you just start waking up and your week is just like your beliefs are shifting, but not positive way, but, but really negative way. Absolutely. Yeah. When, when we, when we shift that back or how we can notice that or like what to do, because it took me time. Like it took me really long time to realize that. Yeah. And I think it's, it's, it's a really important point for anyone in society nowadays with the statistics that we're surrounded by with mental health issues, anxiety, depression, suicide. It's really, really important for us to recognize when we're in that state of mind Um, because it affects pretty much everything that we do. It affects our relationships. It affects how we show up for each other, but it also affects how we show up for ourselves. So things that you may have found easy, as you were describing, at some point in your life, all of a sudden become really hard. And and the contrast being that what what used to come really easy to us, we now can't do, because we're telling ourselves a story in our heads that we can't do this for some reason. Yeah, it's really important for us to be aware of that. And and it's massive what you said, because you mentioned it changes everything and changes how we actually show up for ourselves and how we show up for others. And what do you think from that perspective? Like, first of all, how you how to bring that awareness in, like, for example, you have a team of people and you know there is probably, I don't know, five people from a team of 10, they really need belief shift. Like, like, first of all, have you recognized that? And, and do you think that's, that's one-to-one conversation that needs to happen? Or how to point it out, you know, to people, like, you're not showing up for the team, you're not showing up for yourself, like something is wrong. Like, is that something that you see that can be done and help actually the culture and help the change, actually the team environment? Yeah, it's, um, it's, it's a great a great question, especially when you've done a, work on, a lot of work on awareness, because... 
as you'll know, Alex, when we're in a coaching situation, one of the things that we're taught is to not bring our map to the other person. Okay, so when we say map, we're talking about, um, it's a quote that is, I can't remember the guy's name, is it Mikulski? Uh, I can't remember his name, but it's the map is not the territory. So when we think about perspective, it's very similar to the one we said earlier. We don't see the world as it is. We see the world as we are. And so it'd be very easy for um, someone like myself in a manager role with a team to project my expectations of how I show up onto another person that I work with. Um, And I also have to be really careful because I'm not a coach in that situation. Now, if I take this to me working with a client, that's an agreement where they've asked me to come in and act as a coach so that the hat that we wear can be really important in those types of situations. I read something recently I'd love to share if that's cool to do with giving giving feedback. Um, Initially, I was a little bit skeptical, but I read it again and it actually makes a lot of sense. So how many times have you heard someone describe a situation to tell you a story where they say things like, oh, they always do that. They always act like this. And they've got... (laughs) All the time. (laughs) Yeah, all the time. Like people will have had fallouts with their partner or disagreements with a sibling or... And interestingly, in their language, they have all the answers they need to resolve that situation. And yet it's... We go for this harder option of making it difficult for ourselves where we... We almost reject all of that knowledge. Yeah. And instead, because it's easier to blame the other person, it's harder to accept responsibility and take feedback on board for ourselves. And yet it's not. <laughs> it's actually easier. I'll come back to that in a second from a point of view of um, how we want things to be. I think we can, I'm sure we'll cover that in this conversation. So um, what was I talking about? Completely lost my train of thought. Um, I think yeah, giving feedback, giving feedback. So what I came across was when you're in a situation where you notice someone is not happy um, or there's been a disagreement, it's how do you give that person feedback? Like you've just described, you know, where actually to tell them you need to insert X is not going to be received. Yeah. Okay. If that person is very emotional, um, One of the things that as a profiler, uh, a disc profiler, looking at human behavior that we focus on is we encourage people to look at the behaviors, not the emotion or the drama response that's going on. And when you think about giving feedback, it's what can you acknowledge that's good behavior, like behaviors that you want to see in that environment. And one of the things that I was reading was a, um, Trying to think of the article that I wrote, that I read it in, it's like BNI or something. It was in a LinkedIn article that was shared on a weekend. In this article, it, the statement was that great leaders very rarely give negative feedback. And part of that is because what we were saying earlier, being given when we receive negative feedback, we will want to delete, distort, and generalize what we're hearing because it goes against what we believe to be true about ourselves. And we protect ourselves and emotions, yeah. Yeah, so if we're very emotional and someone is telling us something that we don't want to hear, we will want to get rid of it. We'll want to move away from it because 
We don't want to hear those words. However, look at the contrast. If there's something about what we're doing that is good, and someone is telling us those parts, giving us positive feedback on the good parts, we actually remember that. That's that's something that I will just add on if I can. This is actually something that I read in a book. It was amazing because I realized there's not a lot of books actually about the mindset in sales. And it was interesting thing that uh, this guy was teaching sales the way that when you finish your sales goals, when you finish some kind of sales work, just write down what went well and what I can improve, but never look at what was wrong. Never, never ask question what actually was wrong. What did I say wrong? What, what was not good, you know, that I mentioned and what I shouldn't do. Because what you do actually in your, in your pathway, like your neuro pathway, you're creating actually reminder of those negative things. That means when you go to next sales calls or sales work, you actually first thing that will pop up is that negative things that you just wrap up on the paper. I mean, yeah. that's, it's just so amazing, like to really understand that it's good to actually have a look on those positives. Like it's really good to really, really acknowledge them because you will remember them and you build up on that. Yeah. If so, you take that, take that a little bit deeper, because if you think about an example in, in your own life, I've certainly got examples like this where someone has given me a compliment. The next time I see that person, I remember the compliment. You know, it's there, there's so much more peace and joy in remembering a positive interaction with someone than there is a negative. Now, I'm not saying we ignore what's wrong or we ignore yeah. negative feedback or criticism. There's a place for that. Absolutely. Sometimes, though, when we're in a leadership role or we're working with leaders, it's more about or we're a leader ourselves. It's more about what can I acknowledge myself for? As you've just said with your example. What's, what was really great about what I've just accomplished? Yeah. And then you can allow yourself a time to say, knowing that I didn't behave in the way that I wanted to, like, how can I change that for next time? Because an example I was given before where you're giving feedback to a staff member, if there's been something that they've not done that met expectations, but there is something they did well, they're going to remember the positive feedback more because and then more than that, they're going to want to repeat that feeling another time. So when they think about doing a task again, like I want to feel the way I did the last time where I got the praise on what was great. What that allows us to do is to commit to being that person on a more regular basis because we're moving towards the positive feedback rather than constantly being reminded of what was not good about what we did, which can actually take us to that place you spoke about before, Alex, of feeling low and negative and yeah. not feeling valued. I mean, it's one of the, the worst things to have in a workplace setting is where you're not feeling valued. I'm um, so excited that you brought that because <laughs> when, when you think about the culture or culture change, or because culture change is basically behavior change. Like you want people behave differently, interact differently, communicate differently. And you want to create that good feeling being in a team, like we feel good to be here. And it's exactly what you said. It's just such an important part of the change management that you actually tell people when they do something great, when you see really positive behavior, that you actually acknowledge that behavior because that way you reinforce the behavior. And you know, that person will remember that and show it again next time because they're like, yeah, I was actually 
yeah, press for this. This was great. Like that was a good thing that I did. And they will remember that. It's so important. And, and I agree because usually you get feedback, you know, you don't perform this great, you know, you have the performance management review or whatever it is from that HR perspective. What is not changing culture and making people better at all? It's just checking on your KPIs. That's it. And I feel like yeah. that, that that is something that you, I'm really happy that you brought it in because I think it's so important, especially in that change change management doesn't need to be only in the team, but basically changing ourselves or transform ourselves is the same thing. Yeah, definitely. I mean, one of the, the, the parts of the role that I have is to deal with complaints where there's often conflict. And when you think about a situation where two people have reached a point where they can't reach a resolve, there's often a lot of emotion involved. And it can also be a bit of a battleground where yeah. they, they both can't be wrong. And it's taking what you've just said, it's how do we help those two individuals reach a point where they either agree to disagree or they can move beyond the emotion and observe behavior. Like, how do we do that? How do we achieve it? And it's, it's by behavioral change, we actually need to be able to help people understand and have an awareness of where they're approaching situations on what I call a surface level. So if you're in a situation where your whole focus is on someone's emotional response and you're not observing their behavior, then you're not looking beyond yeah. what it is to be human Like, because we all have emotions. Some of us are a lot better at managing self-regulation, being less reactive than others. doesn't necessarily make us a bad person. It just means we've got a little bit more work to do. Some of us get fired up more easily than others. It just makes us different from the person who doesn't get fired up. But yeah. being, able, being able to pause in those moments where you're faced with someone who is very reactive and allow yourself to look beyond that emotional response to the behavior can make all the difference in being able to resolve an issue of conflict. What's your thoughts on that? This is just something, this is big. Like I, I actually, I was just thinking you took me back to my clients, one of them last year. And it's just interesting how to, like, when is the conflict, conflict and the person fire up? I realized that is also talking about their internal world, that they are disappointed, probably they're doubting themselves and actually is showing the, the weakness if other person knows about those, you know, traits and what is happening internally. So I mean, it was really interesting to to watch uh, watch this person to kind of fight being angry and scared of one person that was actually working for for him. It was wasn't even like a boss, you know. He was boss, and it was just so interesting how he like avoiding the conversations and all that. When I saw it, I was like, oh my god, like this is like a torture going going to the work where you know there is one person and you have all the time in your head the story like this person hates me, this person doesn't want to talk to me. And I actually, that was the same thing. Like I just kind of took him away from that conversation. I was thinking, what if that person actually just can't find a way to talk to you and really want to talk to you? Imagine that person maybe wants to help you, but don't have any idea how. That means I yeah. was just kind of put it on the other side. And I said, look, just try one thing. And if doesn't, that doesn't work, you, you can tell me that I'm really bad coach. <laughs> and, and I asked <laughs> yeah. him, and I ask him to, to come in with very nice, you know, normal, like really relaxed. And, and just when, when something happened, like conflict happened, just say to the person, you know what I think we should probably discuss something that is between us because I really, really wish to have great relationship with you. 
And I just basically put it like straight away, like he recognized the problem. There is some kind of issue. And so just, just ask like, would you, be, would you be happy to have a coffee with me and just really talk through, because I really value your work. And basically acknowledgement and tell the other person that like I value, you have value, you're adding value to our company. I want to keep you. I just really want to get rid of that something, you know, elephant in the world, in the, in the room. And he just went there and actually took her for coffee. And he felt, he, he just came back to me. He was like, oh my God, there is no problem. Like, I just feel so happy. And, and there was just like talking through things. And she was, next day, she was, she was like asking him what he wants, what he needs, doing the work for him. All, absolutely all working environment. And, you know, the vibe just changed. Just, you know, just, just yeah. coming to person and approach them and knowledge them and, and respect them. Because I think that's maybe most important, coming from that respect and trust and, and value the other person. Don't think that, you know what, like, I don't care. You can be, you can go out. You can, I will fire you. That's not how we should solve the conflict. And I think when you're coming from heart, it just really works with people because that's all what they want. Everybody wants to, I think there are made major needs. We need to be understood. We need to be heard. We, we, not, we need to fulfill those needs. And I think that's the major thing. I don't know what you think about that, but in a conflict, it's basically, that's what we're seeking, I guess. Definitely. I think there's two things. It's the separate thing you just said, Alex. It's like, we all have a need to be seen and to be heard. And that goes back to being a small child. And if those emotional needs are not met, as we know from the ages of zero to seven, then we will start to form beliefs about certain emotions being present. And how we then respond. We, we, we teach ourselves how to act when certain emotions are present. For example, um, I don't know what it was like in your house as you grew up as a child, but um, no one else was allowed to be angry in my household other than <laughs> my mum. Yeah, so, um, and I've been flippant when I've said that because that's actually a really important point to consider is how you were brought up. Um, and what emotions you were actively discouraged from expressing as a child it stays with you into adulthood. And often that can form some of that unconscious bias that we spoke about earlier, those beliefs and patterns. So when we're in a situation like you've just described, when we see someone express a particular emotion that we were never allowed to express as a child, we can instantly decide it's wrong and it's not allowed. And that person shouldn't do that. Yeah. And that what that does is, is it it narrows the space that that individual is given to be themselves. Um, and we're gonna we're gonna get to the point of talking about boundaries because mm -hmm. it is really important that there are certain types of behaviour that aren't allowed in certain environments. It's just not appropriate. Yeah. And this is where we start to do what you've just described, which is how do we actually communicate when something's not okay. But without, without bringing conflict back, as you've, if you've seen someone who's really struggling to communicate, like you've just said, two things I would love to, to share with that story you've just brought up is uh, where's your evidence that that person doesn't like you? If you're telling yourself a story in your head, <laughs> that was, they don't like me. That was question exactly what I asked. Yeah. I couldn't see exactly nothing. I was like, like there's nothing. <laughs> Where, like, where's your proof? Like, give me an example that, that proves it to you beyond a reasonable doubt that that person does not like you. Um, and then it's, well, what do you want to do about it? 
do you kind of walk away from that or do you want to resolve it in some way? And your story was a perfect example of how to resolve it is to actually lean in towards what's going on and find a way to communicate with each other where you're able to be honest and transparent. So. Yeah. And I think that's when, when you're talking about that, what, what is important just, just came up to, to my mind from that story as well, that when we are coming from, from, from the heart and we believe about the best thing about the person, because we really want to open conversation, basically the outcome we're looking for is to really understand. And I think people don't take enough time to try to understand, you know, to try to understand where the person is coming from, because usually it is about how they feel internally that's that's how they act you know that's that's what they do and and we judge based on having no information what is happening in their life and and that's that's coming from childhood when you think about you know old school times and kids are judgy you know always always doing that thing like always judging because they don't ask you know are are you having great parents You you have great experience at home we don't do it you know to each other and I think just to really understand other people and care a little bit, little bit more than we do, it will help already with co- communication. Yeah, definitely. Like it's <laughs> you've you've touched on something that I think we can bring into this this part of the conversation, and that's feelings not being fact. And um, what we then, if we are observing someone's behavior, and say for example, we're taking body language as an example, yeah. Um, that's also not fact. And so you don't know someone's intentions. You don't know what someone's emotional response is all about. And you don't know what their behavior really means until you ask them. And so sometimes we're in a situation where you've observed the dysfunctional way of doing it is to observe someone, look at their behavior and decide for yourself what it means. Because that's you bringing your own perspective yeah. to that, that person's behavior. Um, where probably the better place to be to simply ask, are you okay? Yeah, and that's really, what we don't yeah. do. I know it's and it's yeah. not enough. We should we should do it all the time. It's it's yeah. all coming like acknowledgement, like acknowledge people for something. Tell them you know they they look great, or, or just say something nice and ask them if they are okay. I think that's just the major thing to do. That should be like everyday life. You know, that should be part of our life to do those things and. Yeah, I agree. That's massive. Yeah. You mentioned you mentioned boundaries. Boundaries in in like yeah. we have a next. I will go there because I think that's probably conversation or maybe topic for a lot of people. Because I feel with my clients that when I'm thinking about boundaries, they they can't even like when we talk about the the companies and work perspective, they don't put any boundaries. Like when is enough? You know, when is the time I need for myself? When I say yes, when I say no, uh, what is actually appropriate? It's people look like people are getting busier and busier and busier. And I think the major problem is actually that there are no boundaries. That that is not set set for like this is me time. This is me. This is what I need. That means they kind of don't look on their own needs and run the life and career all all just reactive way. And I think I would like to ask you, I know you want to talk about that. I mean, it will be great just to see how you see that. And of course, from the personal personal perspective, not just career, but in general, like tell us. Because probably yeah, something that takes. you discover, <laughs> yeah, because you yeah. discover probably something on yourself. I believe that there will be some transformation. 
Absolutely. Um, my ability to have healthy boundaries right now um, in my life, I won't say how old I am, but I'm past 40. So it looks very different to where it did as a child, as a, as a young person. Um, and part of that comes down to an inability to say no. I mean, we'll, we haven't touched on roles. Alex, I think we've got everything going on in this conversation. <laughs> but the, if you're brought up, it's, to me, there's, there's two sort of distinct kind of um, ways of looking at boundaries. And one of them is to have overly strict boundaries that are inflexible, which is very absolute. It's this way or it's that way. Yeah. It's black or it's white. Um, or there's the op- my partner. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> Whereas there's the opposite, where you'll find people behave in such a way where they overshare. They have no awareness of what's okay and what's not okay. It was just simply share things with um, random strangers, for example, when that person doesn't even know who they are. It's like they're like intimate details. That's a really extreme example of having no boundaries. But when you're dealing with um, that type of conflict situation in a workplace setting where you start to work out how much structure is actually built into the organization to begin with. Because I was chatting to a client about this recently and it's quite an insightful moment. I'm sure she won't mind that we're sharing, me sharing this in this conversation. It's where we have too much structure, we lose people. With the small kind of insightful and flexibility, yeah, yeah. So where things are too rigid, where you've got too many boxes, too many lines, too much of you must do this, 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 um, we lose the ability to connect with people. We actually shut that down. Um, you shut down creativity, everything. Yeah. Too many. So ways. it's yeah. it's how do we get to that sweet spot in the middle where we've got structure, we've got planning, we've got direction, we have goals, we understand what we're showing up for every day and how to get there. Um, but we've also got the ability to be flexible within that when things go wrong or things are going really well and we want to have a moment to celebrate where we can have the human side of um, what it is to be around other people and connect um, within that, that sort of environment. So like I said before about the, the three words, where someone is in a situation where they're not doing great and they're perhaps a conflict situation, um, and we want to bring in boundaries, it's, it's allowing the person to understand that they are responsible fully for their emotional reaction in that moment. And one of the things I like to do is to step back and ask myself the question, does that person have overly strict boundaries or no boundaries? Now, being a coach, I can do this pretty quickly. And I can also ask myself, where are my boundaries right now? Am I being overly rigid or am I being too loose? And how do I bring myself back to a centered position to be what the other person needs in this situation? What can help them? And sometimes if someone's been brought up where they had no boundaries, say, for example, it's someone who um, was, I don't know, overly mothered and fathered, like were protected. They, they have a very kind of unrealistic view of the world. Um, is to bring in what they never had. And sometimes that's to say no to them. And I don't know how you are with clients, Alex, but sometimes that's the biggest challenge that I'll find with clients that I'm coaching is that they find it incredibly 
hard to say no to someone, possibly because they were never allowed to say that as a child. Like it's, um, and I don't want to bring all this back to childhood stuff, but often it's where it originates. So much like not being able to express anger or a particular emotion like sadness. Say, for example, if you cried as a child, you were told to stop crying. What are the tears for? Statements like that given to you. Um, you perhaps remember that growing up. I certainly did. That can be a shutdown of emotional response. So when you're then and you're dealing with a situation as an adult, um, you suppress any sadness and you suppress anger you don't show up and allow yourself to express those things so what we can do to help someone with having boundaries is to acknowledge them and give them space and say it's okay to be sad right now it's okay to be angry right now um but i'm gonna and if you want to bring in a boundary where that person's behavior is not cool is to say i'm gonna let you process this and then come back to me where we can then talk about how we move forward with this situation, especially where communication is broken down. Yeah. Is that landing? No, this is, this is really interesting because I had, like, my clients really vary from, uh, you know, trying to solve the, the problem with an 18-year child, you know, that is crazy and mom is very much controlling and trying to really, really, uh, I, I, just, I just think to try to have someone under control uh, what will happen is opposite. The person will get wild and will try to do everything to lose and, and go away from that, you know, controlling environment. Cause I think it's really unhealthy, but it was interesting when I have those kind of like, you know, like there can be one or opposite, like it's, it ne- it's never, never gray. It's always black or white. We, yeah. you, know, you can have the, the massive restrictions and rules everywhere. Or, you know, like, like she, she had real, she's a lovely lady. But she has the, all those rules. And, and I was like, did you remember as a child, 18 year old, how, like, how would you feel when your parents will give you these 20 new rules? Like you can't go there. You can't go there. You, you need to come, you know, that time Saturday, you have different time. You can't go with friends somewhere all the time, like all these, these things. And you need to study for two hours. And I was like, that's craziness. Like, you know, you're setting up those boundaries for someone else, but it's just, honestly like like there was probably divorce behavior i can imagine from the child perspective like he was he was you know rebelling like there was so rebellious then hardness that is getting harder and harder and when we actually went to to her life we realized that she didn't take care of herself she always said yes to everyone she always said yes to i will take care of him you know it's all that's that's my world and yeah. she did she didn't have I'm not sure if that uh, maybe maybe you can tell me like how you see that as a boundaries, but she didn't put herself first, like for ages, forever. I was like, what do you even like to do? Do you do anything? And she was doing nothing. She was just basically making money, bring them home, take care of the son. It was very, I think that was that attachment when we create attachment to something and try to hold it close to us. Maybe that's something what we can create with strict strict boundaries. I don't know if if you feel like yeah yeah it's to move and boundaries yeah to move to that yeah I think you've you've nailed it with what you've described Alex it's um we can have insecure attachments to people that we really care about um and it can end up leading to a, a, almost like a suffocation where yeah, yeah. It, it's not healthy um but the real risk there is and I certainly experienced this as a child going into the teens and um adulthood 
as someone who I've gone through divorce at 38, um, I started to realize I didn't know what I liked in life. I didn't, because all of my decisions were about saying yes to everyone else. So when we're, we're so used to being told what to do and what to like and what we should want in our life, um, and we allow ourselves to reach that point, then we lose our sense of self. We lose what we want to do in life. We, we don't end up with any dreams because we, we're so busy pursuing everyone else's dreams and goals. We start to yeah. take on a role that that's what we exist for. So. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's actually really good. What you said, it feels like we all experience that because when we start to have family, we, we are married and it feels like we know what, you know, our parents were teaching us, like, you know, you need to, you need to sacrifice something, you know, for the great marriage and great family. And it was all about that. Like you need to sacrifice. And basically what I realized I was doing that in my, my partnerships as well. Like I was always becoming different person. When you, you basically do things that someone else is expecting from you and I, there are no boundaries. There is no me, me time, what I like. There was never thinking about myself, like what I like to do or what would be my preference. And I guess that started when my dad decided where I should go to uni and I was dreaming to study psychology and I was, you know, I said, I'm going out with friends and I went to the psychology, like the uni and I asked for papers to sign in. And when he found out there was the worst thing ever happened. And it was like, no, you need to go study economy. And I was like, what, what am I having like with economics? Like, I just, you know, I, I don't care. And yeah, it's yeah. such a, you know, like, and, and you know who won the fight, of course, my, my dad. But it, it's funny how I'm going back, you know, to actually psychology because coaching is psychology, basically. It's all about yeah. the internal world. And I really love it the most. And, and now when you think about it, like how someone else is actually telling you what to do or how, how is the best for you when you don't live your life, even though maybe you really are a person to be able to create your own amazing life. But if we don't do it, we just don't trust ourselves enough, maybe. I don't know. What do you think yeah, about that? I, yeah. uh, I do love that, that conversation because, I mean, if, if we were to look back at intention and emotional responses and behavior, like, being a parent, there's a lot of fear around our children being able to succeed in life. So the emotions of um, fear would pop up really strongly around that um, decision time in a, in a young person's life. It's really important. However, if if the relationship between the parent and the child lacks boundaries, where the parent isn't able to listen um, and the child is also not able to listen, then communication is going to break down and there may, may then be resentment. And that can happen in any relationship. It's not just a parent child, but in a, a marriage, for example, that can happen as well, where you're simply following instruction based on what someone else believes is really important. Yeah, It can lead to a lot of resentment because one or both of you isn't being truthful or honest. Um, a lot of the time that can happen where you're simply saying what you think your partner wants to hear. And that's not healthy boundaries. That's that's avoiding avoiding conflict, avoiding emotion, not showing up for yourself. And the, that can lead to a lot of disappointment. Yeah. And it's definitely avoiding your own life. It's mm -hmm. hiding, you know, behind something. And that's that's what a lot of people do. And and I guess I was probably doing that in part of my life as well. Mm -hmm. That means we we do have those. I guess, yeah, you call it, you know, boundaries that we need to really work on. But when you 
think about from from perspective that now I realize from this conversation uh, that maybe I don't have healthy boundaries. Do you have any maybe suggestions how people can check on them or how they can improve or what they can do first? One thing that I love to to mention as a bit of an example is um, say you've been in a situation, and this has happened to me, where I've in the past been very good at sharing with two, three, four people a situation that hasn't gone well. And I'll sit there and recount the story to two and sorry, two and three other people. What's not gone well? The one person I haven't is the individual didn't go well with. So one of the things that I would encourage anyone who is looking at um, their boundaries and how healthy they are is to think about how honest are you being with yourself? And how many times have you tried to communicate with the other person? And that can simply be trying one thing that's different. I'll share an example if I can. that came up with a client just on the weekend. She reached out to me um, having a bit of a hard time. And what we spoke about was um, the person that she was having an issue with. Like, what kind of personality type do you think he's got? This, this, this uh, client is a coach as well. And what we explored was they're the same. They're the same personality type. And I had made a joke where I said, how about you try and resolve the conflict with being fun? And she just thought it was crazy. She's like, what do you mean? I says, well, you both actually have what we call an influencer personality type. You like to do things where you're happy. So how amazing would it be if you made a joke in order to try and resolve what you don't agree on? And it was a bit of a resistance moment for her, but the more she thought about it, she thought, actually, that would be really effective. So sometimes by honouring who we are at our core is the the, the most effective way to bring in a boundary. Um, It doesn't have to be tough or serious or hard or have conflict involved with it. And I think a lot of us bring these ideas that are born from our patterns and beliefs and conditioning that we've had over our life that something has to look a certain way. It has to sound a certain way. We have to feel a certain way in order to overcome a challenge. What if it doesn't? What if it can look different? That's such a great point. And that's probably the great way to finish because it's exactly how we experience things you know it's so different for for us and and that's the same thing when you're going to the mo- same movie you like the movie i don't need to like the movie and be watching the same movie that means it's really just to to have a look and and also what you said i think was great that it felt felt like we have actually solution inside you know like like we have all the tools we need we just need to know more about ourselves i guess yeah. that will be probably what i get from uh, your last share anyway i know you have time feel free that means I'm not going to take more of your time but if you are willing to do this again just have conversation maybe some something more about conditioning and uh, I think you know that emotional part of us and how to work with it even more I know we touch you know touch touch on everything what we can today that was really cool (laughs) but if you have any like a final advice or final tip uh, regarding maybe like emotional or maybe how to react respond instead of reacting whatever kind of area that can help us to feel a little bit more emotionally fit, I guess, if you have anything that you would like to share at the end. 
One of the most effective ones that's quite well known that I'll mention, a lot of my clients talk about it as well, is um, the five-second rule. Uh, we know that Mel Robbins has written a book on this. Um, yeah. It's allowing yourself those five seconds of time. Just give yourself some time which creates space. If you notice that you're feeling some sort of um, physical sensation in your body, you're getting fired up and you don't want to behave in a certain way where you would normally behave in a certain way, allow those five seconds for you to breathe and ask yourself, how do I want to show up right now? And the advice there is you cannot get this wrong. So if how you want to show up is to say to the other person, I need some time, can I come back to you? Then please ask for it. That's such a great finish of this session. How can I show on how, how I want to show up today? How I want to show up in the situation? That's such a great question to ask ourselves. Thank you very much for that. That's awesome. And I hope I will see you again soon. And uh, thank you very much for your time. I really appreciate it. And uh, at the end, probably share with us where we can find you, how, we, how people can connect with you and how they, do you have a website or any space? Yes. Thank you for having me, Alex. I really enjoyed the conversation today. Yep. My business is called 17 Coaching. I have um, a website. Google that. It's the number 17 coaching.com.au. Um, I'm also on LinkedIn. I'm quite active on LinkedIn. I've been a bit quiet of late, but I am on there, Facebook and Instagram. So thank you so much, Alex. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you very much and really love your work. I'm really happy to chat to you and looking forward to it again. Yeah, likewise. Yeah. Thank you.